Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined by staff writer Dane McGrath. Hey there. It's a special day because every now and then we like to take a listener request. And today we have a request from our friend Crystal Ellerjui, and she included a little phonetic pronunciation of her name. And I really hope I got it right, because how embarrassing would that be, given my penchant for mispronouncing everything when she included it? Anyway, Crystal is 23 years old. She loves listening to the podcast, and she sent a whole list of things she'd like to know more about. And we chose number two on that list. The Alamo. And the Alamo is mostly known, I guess, for the saying, remember the Alamo, which is hard for some people who don't really know what happened. (laughs) How can we remember it if we don't know what happened? And that's the ironic thing, really, is that we're supposed to remember the Alamo, and yet most historians will come out and tell you that a lot of the facts surrounding the Alamo story are just lore and legend, and you can't believe everything you hear about the Alamo. So, I mean, really, that begs the question, how do you remember the Alamo? Yeah, and why is it so mysterious? And we're going to talk about all about that. Um, First, let's go back to when it was first built. It was actually back in the early 18th century, and it wasn't originally built as a fort. It was actually a Catholic mission, particularly Franciscan mission, that was built back then. And they uh, later abandoned it, like before the century was out. It was it was kind of empty. And by the 1801, Spanish troops started coming in and using it on and off as a fort. Because we should also mention that, like, when you think the Alamo, you probably have a memory of, like, the picture of the facade of the church. Uh, I actually didn't know much about the Alamo. I've never been there. And there's this whole big town back there. So we should keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, so when we tell you later how many men and women and children were inside, you might think, wow, well, pretty close quarters, but not really, because there was much more. It was a mission, really. Mm -hmm. Think about a mission. And um, the point of the Alamo was to convert Mesoamericans living in the area to Catholicism. And I think that even people who weren't exactly on board with religious conversion could at least get on board with um, the organization of farmlands around the mission. So a lot of people were attracted to the area. A lot of people were living there. And then there was a whole hullabaloo with what the heck was going to happen to Texas, because there were a lot of people who wanted it. So hold tight. We've got a lot of ists coming. Coming at you, beginning with monarchists who wanted Texas and Mexico to answer back to Spain to be part of the monarchy, the Spanish monarchy. And we've said before in an earlier podcast talking about Spain sort of losing ground. Spain was losing ground. They didn't have a lot of control over their colonies anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, Texas and Mexico might have been a last ditch effort to keep the monarchy uh, widespread. That's right. And uh, this comes back to how uh, Mexico had just gotten its independence in 1821 from Spain. And after that, there was a lot of unrest. Uh, which leads to the other is that we're going to talk about. For one, a lot of people wanted uh, like a centralist government for for Mexico after it broke away, but other people wanted a more federalist kind, which is more like we have in the United States today. Did you guys catch those two ists, centralists <laughs> and federalists? And then there is the United States. The United States at this point was was going strong, but they could use a little bit more land. So they wanted Texas, too. And then we have another group, no ists, but the people actually living in Texas, the Anglos and the Tejanos, or instead of the Anglos, some people say that the Texians, they wanted Texas to be independent. And that's a novel idea, that Texas could have just been its own entity. And it might have worked, because rebels like Sam Houston were on board, and he was a really 
tough guy. So that almost worked out, mm-hmm. but it didn't. That's right. And we should say that, like, when we talk about the United States wanting it, a lot of people um, in Texas, they like to be called Texians at that time, not just Texans. So I guess we'll use that term. A lot of the Texians wanted to be part of the United States, and so they were kind of in the same boat and on the same side as the United States. That's why the U.S. would send in their troops to help the, help the Texians uh, win their independence from uh, from Mexico. And at this time, the reason why the Texians were so um, sort of upset and there was an unrest going on was because uh, we should probably say that a lot of people emigrated from the United States into Texas. And so there was a mingle of sort of Hispanics who lived there and Anglos who, uh, who had moved in. And they had moved in in the 1820s. And once the uh, Anglos and the Hispanics were mingling together in there, Mexicans actually banned slavery. And this was a huge deal for uh, the especially the Anglos who had moved in, they were used to having slaves. Uh, they considered it essential to their economy. And not only the banning of, of um, slavery, but they also, Mexico stopped immigration so that their friends and family couldn't move in with them. They put a taxes on imports of foreign goods. And um, Santa Ana was a major general at the time. He uh, would take over and he started moving towards a strong centralized government. And this is where things really imploded. Because we know that the Spanish eventually gave out parts of the land and the missions around the Mesoamerican settlements to the Indians. So they were still on the site. And we know that there was some unrest with the Americans coming in. So by December 1835, General Sam Houston was advising everyone around the Alamo to abandon it. That's right. And Sam Houston is an interesting character. Uh, if we go back and look at his life a little bit and why he was even there in the first place, he, when he was a teenager, he actually ran away and lived with the Cherokee Indians for a few years. They adopted him. And so, like, he knew their language and everything like this. And so that's why the president at the time, I believe it was Jackson, sent him over to Texas because he, he was great with relations with Indians at the time. And so, I. Uh, he was he was working with them and negotiating with them, and he ended up living there, creating a house in, in Texas, and he became very involved in the, in the people and the culture there and, and was elected commander-in-chief of the army for the independence from Mexico. Unfortunately, as wise as Sam Houston was, no one listened to him. So there were a lot of tensions brewing inside the Alamo, and there were a lot of big personalities, too. There was Travis, and there was Bowie, and the Texians and the Tejanos didn't exactly get along, and another guy who was there who had a huge personality was David. Davy Crockett, and he had told people that uh, you may all go to hell and I will go to Texas. And so we know he had pretty grandiose notions of what he was going to get accomplished in the Lone Star State. And he was very, very much impassioned by Texas' struggle for freedom, and he wanted to be a part of this. He was just as outdoorsy and and bear hunting and, you know, chasing as Sam Houston was. He was just wild. So he wanted part in this brawl, too. And... Um, After he helped defend the Alamo, the Crockett legend just kept growing and growing. So, all these personalities inside, all of these tensions mounting, it only gets worse and worse when they, when they get word that Santa Ana and his troops are advancing. And they know they really don't have a huge shot. They've got less than 200 men inside, and their chances are slim against an army of a couple thousand. And so, legend says that Travis drew a line in the sand inside the mission and asked Every single person in there who was willing to give their lives to defend the Alamo to cross the line. And according to legend, everyone crossed it but one man. And I think that the one man who didn't cross it was actually Travis's slave Joe. And he was the sole (laughs) man who lived 
who went on to give an account of what happened. Good thing he didn't cross, otherwise we would have no idea really what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. So. It's interesting that, you know, like a couple thousand men, I, I think it's kind of disputed, at least the, the uh, sources that I found. Um, some people say he had little, has, uh, Santa Anna had a little, as little as 1,800 men. Some people say as much as 6,000. Either way, they definitely had way more men than were in the Alamo. And it's amazing that they would, the people in the Alamo were able to hold them off for so long. It's a good 13 days that, um, the Texians were able to hold the fort. And it started in February 23, 1836, when, uh, Santa Ana arrived. And, uh, for the next 13 days, there was a battle. Like Candace said, Travis Stewart lined in the dirt and, uh, and people, you know, it just goes to show how, like, people's spirits were up. They were, they were ready to die. Of course, they knew they, they probably would die for this. So by March 6th, the Mexicans stormed. And this happened at about 5 a.m. And sadly, it took no more than an hour, I think, or a little over an hour for the Mexicans to basically come in and slaughter almost everybody who was there. Yeah, they really did. They spared the women and children. But once they were able to break through the walls of of the mission. Cannon fire could only hold them off for so long, and yeah. they got down to man-to-man combat. It was all over. And I think that Travis was one of the first to die. And this is where it comes in handy to have knife skills like Bowie and to be really tough like Davy Crockett, because at this point you're using fists, you're using knives, you're using like the butts of guns, you're using bayonets. And it was just an all-out brawl. But also, again, like Dane said, we have to take these numbers with a grain of salt. But to know that around... Uh, 600 and 1600 Mexicans were killed when there were only about mm-hmm. 187 people inside the Alamo. That's really impressive odds. And if you look at the, the Alamo's website, there's a website for the, um, the historic landmark. They said that, uh, people worldwide continue to remember the Alamo as a heroic struggle against impossible odds, a place where men made the ultimate sacrifice for freedom. And really, when you look at it that way, it's sort of like the classic struggle between David and Goliath. Hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. And uh, that brings me to a point I wanted to bring up about Santa Ana, the general, uh, Mexican general involved here, because he was seen as, uh, you could say, Goliath. He was seen as incredibly cruel. And I remember reading that he told uh, his forces to not take any prisoners. I mean, besides the women and children, no fighting men were, were taken prisoner. Another source says that any that some were taken prisoner, but they were um, soon actually burned. He, yeah. uh, No matter whether they were burned alive or dead, Santa Ana did order the heroes, at least, from the Alamo, the Texian heroes, to be burned in sort of this public statement, scaring the rest of the, rest of the Texians who were fighting for independence. And it was certainly cruel, but but uh, it did not quell any spirit that drove the remembered at the Alamo um, rallying cry. It really didn't. So when Sam Houston's army got the chance to confront Santa Ana's army, they were really fired up with cries of remember the Alamo and they overtook Santa Ana and his troops. That's right. This was the decisive battle of San Jacinto. And it's interesting to note that not only, uh, I mean, it's true that the Alamo did fall and it was a, a tragic loss, but it did buy time for uh, Houston to um, to rally his troops, to train his troops, who were sort of a uh, ragtag group of volunteers. And um, he was also able to zigzag around around Texas in order to hold off uh, Santa Ana until he was ready to fight. And he was ready. And this was about six weeks after the Alamo. And it's made for a pretty short war, actually, that he was able to pull this off so quickly. And he took uh, about 910 men across the plains of San Jacinto. And they all were all rallying, remember the Alamo, remember the Alamo. And they won the battle. They captured Santa to Anna and uh, made him like relent to independence. And it's funny today you hear the expression, remember the Alamo, and it's almost 
a perfect little encapsulation of American spirit mm-hmm. because it, it shows how tough and how independent we can be when we're passionate about the cause of freedom. Yeah. And so today, when you hear people say, remember the Alamo, you know, maybe sometimes they're just being cheeky. But I think more often than not, they're not really referring to the uh, the Franciscan mission back <laughs> in um, the early 18th century, but more or less they're referring to the American spirits. That's right. And we should make a note about um, what happened to Texas immediately after the war. They actually, they voted to ask to be admitted into the United States pretty quickly, and they weren't, actually. Um, even though the United States wanted them eventually, there was a lot of problems in terms of the fact that they wanted to be a slave state, and this caused problems of what would happen if they were admitted as a slave state. And um, and there was actually a fear of entering war into Mexico if they did allow Texas in, because Mexico was like, if you do this, we're going to cut off ties. And there was this fear. And so it didn't it took another decade for them to be admitted to the Union. And even then, uh, Mexico was still, you know, pretty sore about it. And they entered into um, a war with the United States over it. And so that is the story of the Alamo and a little taste of of Texas and, and Mexican history, too. So for even more about Texas and the Alamo and leaders like Santa Ana, you can check it out on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.